0: Yes, yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now, now, now. Let me set the table. Now, now, now. Let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could. Make it. And these are questions I ask myself when I question. My table fam, how we feeling tonight? Come on. Hey, if I have not had a chance to meet you, my name is Isaac. I'm the young adult pastor here at First Orlando and pastor here at the table. And man, if it's your first time or first time in a long time, welcome. Welcome to the table. We do this every week on Tuesdays. We're just so excited to gather. And if you were here last week, we did our summer kickoff uh, where we kicked off our message series going through the book of Jonah. So we're going to continue in our series of Jonah. um, But to set us up, something to know about me is when I was in elementary school, y'all, I was a baller. And, I, and not just that I was like incredibly good looking, which I was, and like really popular, which I was, and like everyone liked me, which was true, kind of, um, but no, I enjoyed playing basketball. So basketball was something that I was good at, and um, for me, I'm Hispanic, and I matured a lot quicker than my white boy friends, um, so I just got really much better like, at basketball because I was basically what I did in elementary school was I would get the rebound, and I, I, in fifth grade I was like, faster than everybody else, so then I would like, dribble down the court, just outrunning everybody, and then put it in for a layup, and I would like, score all the points on our team, and it was incredible and amazing. True story. So, so then I was like, okay, my dream was then to be in the NBA. That's what I wanted to do. So I'm like, okay, so here I am. I'm better than everybody. Good, check. I think to be in the NBA, you have to be better than everybody else. Okay, great. I'm on track. Cool. Get to junior high. And in junior high, um, I was still kind of on par. That's kind of the track that I was going to where eventually I get to high school. And I'm like, okay, here's my time to shine. Here we go. I'm going to be a varsity freshman year. And what happened was I got put on the freshman B team. The day they told me, that I got put on the freshman B team when I was in high school, y'all. I was like, Ugh! and it's like this like rage in my heart. It's like, I'm just going to prove all the haters wrong, right? And I just start going, and I just remember how had like the hardest practice ever, um, and then kind of finish the season trying to prove myself. The next season, I was like, okay, here's my opportunity again. I get to my sophomore year, and I got put on the JV B team, like, man, like, what is going on here? To where halfway through the season, not only am I on the JVB team, um, I got benched. Here was my dream of being in the NBA, and here I am as a sophomore in high school sitting on the bench of the JVB team. Okay? I was like, I think that my NBA career is not looking pretty good at this moment. Right? It's because here's what I wanted I wanted to be in the NBA. It's on your screens here. Here's what I wanted I wanted to be in the NBA. And here's my current experience. I was sitting on the bench of the JVB team. Now, my suspicion is I'm not the only one that's experienced a little bit of difference when it comes to here is what I wanted and then here is my current experience, right? Hey, who here like, just graduated college? Any, we have any college graduates? Yeah, give it up, come on. So if you just graduated college, congratulations. Um, If you're in college, um, you know this. You just finished the semester, finished the academic year, and you all, all know there was a grade you needed to make. And some of you did an incredible job making that grade. But for some, you know, what you wanted was to pass the class, but here was your current experience. Right before the final, you're emailing Dr. Jones. You're saying, hey, look, um, I know I need to get like a 250 on the final to pass this class. Um, would it be possible for just to give me just a few more points so I could pass? Right? That's the situation, the current experience that you found yourself in. Right? Um, or um, for some, um, you have your job, right? and you, your job is terrible. Right, and your boss is terrible, and your coworker is terrible, and what you like, you go to the bathroom to hide so you don't have to like work on your shift. You know this. You do this, right? And see, whenever, um, see what. But what happened was you got a new job, and you're like, this job is going to be so much better. So you get your new job, and in this new job, you're thinking, oh, it's terrible, than even more worse than the first one, right? Where your boss like followed you. You're like, how did you follow me? Like I'm your boss again. You're like, no, and it's like this big nightmare thing. Or, uh uh-oh, I know, I'm about to... Careful, y'all. Y'all ready? What we want. A relationship. Mm, Let me just... We can just sit in that for a little bit. Mm. And what do we experience? We're like, I'm just dating Jesus right now. (laughs) I'm just just really not dating anybody. Right? And because what we're currently experiencing is not a a relationship that we want. But um, can I be honest? Part of us... Are a little grateful that we don't always get exactly what we want, because do you remember your first crush? I think your first crush. Okay, do you know what they're up to now? Aren't you, for many of us, aren't you so glad it didn't work out? Mm-hmm. See, for some of us, we, we're, we're grateful that we don't always get exactly what we want, and our current experience is a little bit different. Um, but fortunately. In Jonah chapter 2, we're gonna, it's going to help us navigate this tension of the story where Jonah finds himself. It's going to navigate this tension around, here is what I wanted, um, and here is the current experience, um, and where, where I find myself. right? Because in the story of Jonah, God told this guy named Jonah, who was a prophet, to go and to preach to the Ninevites. We learned this last week. Go and preach to the Ninevites. And Jonah, what he wanted was to say no. He's like, absolutely, I'm not doing that, God. Here's what I want to do. I want to get, go down to Joppa, get on a boat, and go to completely the opposite way to where you're telling me to go. Right? That's what Jonah wanted. So where does he find himself in? Jonah finds himself in a storm. Where a storm comes, the sailors wake up Jonah, right? And then, and then remember last week, what did Jonah want? At that point, he's like, I want to be thrown overboard. I want to die. So the sailors threw him overboard. He finds himself in the water, and then a fish comes, and he swallows Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days and for three nights. And that's where we pick up the story is where Jonah is in the belly of the fish. But the tension question that I want to navigate, right? Because what Jonah was experiencing when he was in the belly of the fish, sometimes what we experience it's very similar to what Jonah was experiencing where it feels like death. For Jonah, it was this, he was so close to death being there being thrown overboard, being thrown over the over the water, um, you know thinking, wondering if he's going to die because of that and for some of us our situations our current situation is so bad. It just feels like death. We're just in this small, cramped space where it's so dark. We don't know how we're going to get out. We don't know how we're going to move forward. We don't, we're don't. we so disoriented. We feel like we're all so cramped, just not knowing what to do. So the question we're asking tonight is, man, how do we navigate when what we want in life, how do we navigate what we want in life when our current experience feels like death? So we're going to pick up the story in uh, Jonah chapter 2, um, where Jonah says this in verse 1, where he says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, right? Saying, this is what Jonah says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. And he answered me, out of the belly, belly of Sheol—I'm going to pause there. So Sheol is this word um, that basically the, the Hebrew writers would use to describe death or like a, like a death state, right? So whenever Jonah says that he was feeling like death, and perhaps whenever you— which is why the story may be relevant for you— um, feeling like you may be in a death-like state, that's the word here, is this word Sheol. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice, right? So here is Jonah right, where, where he just feels like he's in this place, um, not just feels, he's experiencing this place where he's so close to death, where it's so dark, and for those of us that also find ourselves there, um, perhaps we're not, we're like, man, is it my fault that I'm here? Is it somebody else's fault that I'm here? Someone else put me here? Is this God's fault that I'm here? We can talk about that later in a second, but the reality is we're here, and this is the current experience. And we're just trying to move forward out of this. We're so disoriented. We don't even know how we got here. All we know is that this is exactly where we are right now. And that's where Jonah finds himself as well. So we see this um, as Jonah continues. For the next few verses, we're going to see that Jonah calls for help. It's in kind of the first half of the verses we're going to read. And the second half of the verses we're going to read is that God responds Jonah records God responding to his call for help. So let's read um, unpack a little more Jonah's call for help in verse 3. Here's what Jonah says to God. For you, God, you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. And the floods surrounded me. All your waves, your billows passed over me. So, so he's saying, hey, you cast me. You, God, cast me into the deep. Um, so um, if you remember last week, who is responsible for, For Jonah being in the fish. Okay, so there's kind of three options here. The sailors were the ones that physically picked him up and threw him overboard. So the sailors have some responsibility. Jonah was the one who ran away from God but also told the sailors to throw him overboard. And there's also the God of the universe that's in charge of everything. So out of those three options, who's responsible for Jonah being um, in the belly of the fish? It's kind of all three, but what Jonah here is at least recognizing that God is the one. Um, God is um, God is the one that he's recognizing here of why he's in the belly of the fish. So why would God be responsible for Jonah being in the belly of a fish? Is God doing that to punish Jonah? No. See, we're going to continue. God's doing that to rescue. Jonah. See, Jonah being in the belly of a fish is not a punishment. It's a rescue. So we're going to keep it up in verse 4 where he says, then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. So Jonah says here that I'm running away from your sight. So he's basically saying, look, I, God, I, where, where your sight was looking, I wanted to run away, God. You know, what? in my heart, you know what I wanted, God? I did not want you. I wanted to run away. And even as I'm running away, now I'm in the belly of a fish, I'm remembering. When I'm, when I'm in 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 this moment where it's dark, where I'm close to death, I'm remembering you, God. That's what the the holy temple means, right? It's it's imagery. It's a figure to describe um, that he's looking at God and he's remembering God. So he continues in verse five where he says, the waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. The weeds were wrapped about my head and at the roots of the mountains." I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. See, Jonah is describing his current experience. And as he's describing his current experience, he's describing it in a term. It's not in the Bible, but I just think it's a helpful term, and I think it's consistent with what the Bible is trying to describe here. This term that we may call bottoming out. See, Jonah, he bottomed out in life. And the way that he describes this is beautiful, very vivid, um, vivid imagery, right, where he's saying, man, the water's closing over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. The weeds were wrapped all around my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed on me forever. Um, some of you get this because you're journalers. And you understand this, and that's exactly how you write. You had a bad day at work, and you're like, man, the water surrounded me, the weeds wrapped around my head, oh my gosh, it was the worst day ever. So as you're reading this, it's like, that makes sense. That makes sense that Jonah Jonah would write that way. Um, So some of us, would get this, but it's not just for those of us that may use incredibly vivid language like in our journals uh, as we're processing. See, Jonah is talking literally here. He's saying, hey, literal weeds are over my head. The water is surrounding me. Um, because what Jonah wanted, remember going back to what we want versus our current experience, what Jonah wanted was to run away from God, right? Clearly. He, and he had multiple opportunities, and every time he just kept running away from God and running away from God. Because to Jonah, following God sounded like death. See? Because what God had called him to do was to go to these people, um, these Ninevites, um, that may murder him. So Jonah's like, I don't want to be murdered. I don't, I don't know if I trust God to do that. I just don't want to do that. So I want to, that just sound what God is calling me to do sounds like death. So I'm going to go the opposite way because I think I know better. So I'm going to run away from God into what I think is going to be life-giving for me. So Jonah goes on this journey, we talked about this last week, this journey where he's trying to pursue life, and that life that he's trying to pursue ultimately gets him to truly experience the death that he was so fearful of in the first place. Where he was in the belly of the fish from Sheol, right? His experience, he actually experiences death. So this term bottoming out, so what do I mean when I say bottoming out? When I say bottoming out, it means this. When we get to the end of our wants, when we get to the end of our wants. See, all of us in life, we have these things that we want, right? We want a lot of money. We want amazing relationships. We want to be invited to go do things all the time. We want an abundance of friends, right? We want to travel, right? We want security. We want, for those of us that, um, uh, you know, really enjoy, like, I want a 401K. Some of you are like, I don't know what that is yet. I don't know. For some of you, like we're just, we want a lot of these. We want a lot of these things, right? And then, what happens whenever our life starts pulling us away from these things? We start experiencing um, um, where we feel like we're close to death we these things that we just hit door after door, closed door after closed door. We don't get the job that we want. We don't get the relationship that we want. Um, the family situation is not getting better at all. The health thing that we have going on is not getting better. Um, the insecurity that we feel is not getting better, but we're trying, we're going to counseling, we're going to therapy, but we still feel it. The anxiety that we feel just not getting better. We're so frustrated about it. And we're like, man, what am I going to do? I feel like death. See, and what bottoming out is, is whenever with the things that we want We start hitting closed door after closed door after closed door where all these options that we want just stop becoming um, available to us. At some point, we're going to realize that getting what we wanted is not what we really want. At some point, we're going to realize that getting what we wanted is not what we really want because what we think that what we wanted, like Jonah, it leads to death. See, Jonah thought he wanted to go to Tarshish, Right? So my, my, uh, I have a couple fears. Um, so with this, with this idea of bottoming out, I have a couple fears. My first fear um, is that there are many people, some of us here in this room, many people um, that think they don't need God because their life is going pretty well, right? They haven't experienced the bottoming out, right? Their, their wants, what we want is what they're experiencing. So they keep getting what they want. And they keep going, and you know these people, and you're frustrated by them, because you're like, man, they just seem to get everything that they want, and your heart is, like, hard toward them, because then you start comparing your life to their life, and it's, like, not the same. You're like, ah, how dare they? But whenever you see them, and you're, like, really nice to them, I'm, oh, I'm so glad you got the new job that I applied for, right? <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of people who think they don't need God because their ship to Tarshish is going pretty well for now, Right? So, like, perhaps we all have that friend who just doesn't seem to be interested in God. And the reason is they're not interested in God is because they don't think they need God, right? And the reason they don't think they need God is because, and perhaps for you, if you don't think you need God, it's because we have not, have, we have not fully experienced bottoming out. where We're just dark and we feel like death, right? And we typically see this um, in, in way more affluent areas. Why? And the Bible even talks about this. Um, Because whenever you're incredibly affluent, you can just buy your way out of most problems, (laughs) right? The problems that we experience whenever we're less affluent are not necessarily the problems um, that are experienced whenever you're just able to just be able to resource yourself in a way that you can just keep yourself afloat, right? Um, So like the storm comes, right? And the affluent person just um, has bought a weather machine just to take away the storm. Like, no, we're good and just keeps going to Tarshish. So whenever you're affluent, you can just keep resourcing um, yourself where you never, you never will bottom out. And um, f- until people bottom out, there's, there's nothing that we can do except to be there um, in their life for those moments whenever they do bottom out, where they start asking a lot of questions and um, start experiencing the things that many of us are experiencing here today. So on the screen here, the worst thing that could have happened was not Jonah getting swallowed by the fish. It's if he made it all the way to Tarshish and lived a life outside of God. See, the worst thing for Jonah was not that he was near death. See, God, this fish was a rescue mission for him. This fish was to get his attention. This near-death experience, um, this, the shield that he's feeling, this is because, Jonah, I love you. And, Jonah, I promise you that if you made it to Tarshish, that would truly be death for you. To where you would get the job that you wanted you would get, you know, the nice Tarshish girl that you're trying to be with. You would have the nice pleasant job. Um, you would get in the nice Tarshish house. Um, you would have the lawn. You would have the white picket fence, the Tarshish version of that with the tree swing and the 2.5 kids. Like you would get the big, like Jonah, you would get everything that you wanted and you would be absolutely dead on the inside. And Jonah, I want to rescue you from that. So there's a storm coming. You'll overboard. There's a fish coming to rescue you, right? And here's, here's my second fear. My second fear is this, is that for some of us, um, we haven't fully bottomed out. By that I mean uh, our fish, or sorry, our legs are swallowed by the fish and we're still holding onto the boat, right? So what do I mean by that? I mean that we have our going to Tarshish friends and we have our fellow fish friends, and with our fellow Charshish friends, we're just living a life, going to Charshish, living a life outside of God. And with our fish friends, we're like, oh yeah, God of the universe, God of the sea, God of the heaven, right? And we go to life group, we're like, oh yeah, and we're, you know, we can quote Bible verses and we can pray really well, and we're just kind of hanging around here, and yet there seems to be this disintegration um, in our lives. And, the, and part of it is that we think um, that it's— um, um, we haven't fully experienced the consequences of not fully being in the fish, for not fully bottoming out. So for many of us, we can journey for a long time, and we just, especially whenever you just learn how to do church really well, you can just journey for a very, very, very long time learning how to be like half bitten, half swallowed by the fish and like half holding on. And the reason I know that is that's such a huge part of my story. So I was just so disintegrated for, for so long right? And God's had to do a major work in me to, to not just be holding on to Tarshish while I'm saying that I'm swallowed by the fish and actually to be fully submerged by the fish to be able to fully bottom out so I can fully surrender to God, as we're going to see here in a second. So that's my fear for some of us here in this room is that we come on a Tuesday and because we want to um, just to meet people. And like meeting people is such a fantastic um Meeting, I love when people are meeting each other. I love us finding friends um, on a Tuesday. Um, but my fear is that we're missing out on something greater that God has for us because we haven't fully um, experienced um, um, the consequences of still going to Tarshish. So my hope for all of us is that God sends a rescue mission and sends, if we have not already, sends a storm and sends a fish um, to rescue us. So here's, here's the big idea. Getting to the end of our wants allows us to experience the fullest life following God. Getting to the end of our wants allows us to expo- allows us to experience the fullest life following God. When I was at my my previous church um, before I moved here to Orlando, it's maybe about five five years ago. I was working at the church, and there was this guy um, that came into the office, right? I'd never met him before. He comes into the office, and the the receptionist there, or the the front office person, says, hey, Isaac, are you available? And I said, yes, why? He's like, hey, there's a person um, that needs to talk to somebody, and you're like the only person on staff that's available. And I'm like, oh, okay, sure, (laughs) I'll talk to them. So I meet with this guy. We come to my office. We meet, and I have no idea what he's going to say. And he comes in. His name's Alex. Um, He's like, hey, Alex, like, what's going on, man? Um, and he says, hey, so um, I was here on Sunday. I was like, okay, cool. I was also here on Sunday. He said, and on Sunday, there was a video that was played. I was like, okay. He, and he said, in this video, there was a story of this other person um, that was like really, excuse me, really struggling in life, having really hard family issues, um, where he was, like, going through a divorce, he was trying to, like, manage his kids, um, and he, in the video, it said, Alex is telling me, which I also had watched the video, so I knew what he was saying, um, that in this video, um, Alex is watching of this other guy um, that basically came to a moment where he's leaving work, and either he can go home and just do what he always does, Or he could come to the church campus to try to find somebody to talk to, somebody to help him process the shield that he's feeling, this death on the inside that he's experiencing. So Alex is telling me this, um, and I said, okay, well, he's like, man, that's me. I saw that video, and I was like, I didn't know I could do that. I just left work, and Alex is telling me, I can either go home and keep being an alcoholic like I always am, right? And I have a 40 of vodka waiting for me at home. I can go, and I can drink the whole thing like I always do. Or I was inspired by the video to come to the church campus because I'm just hoping I can talk to somebody because I just need help. And I'm like, Crying, but like trying to hold it together, right? And I'm so eventually we start talking about Jesus, and eventually I was like, Hey, man, well, have you considered following Jesus? He was like, Oh, man, you know, it's like the like the an evangelism layup. He's like, Yes, please tell me more about your Jesus. And I was like, I'd be happy to, right? And it was absolutely incredible conversation there on the couch in my office, gives his life to Jesus. We start meeting um, to go through, start reading the gospel of John together. And basically, what happened is there's this consistent moment um, where people. Um, whenever they start following Jesus, there's this moment where you just get to the end of anything that you've ever wanted before Jesus. The relationships that we wanted before Jesus, the sex they wanted before Jesus, the alcohol they wanted before Jesus, um, the judgment, the lack of forgiveness, the bitterness in our heart, uh, the comparison, the insecurity that we feel, the anxiety that we feel, everything that we um, wanted before life following Jesus, we're like, man, I just have to get to the end of myself. I have to get to the comfort that I wanted. I have to get to the end of the money that I wanted. I have to give everything up because I'm experiencing death as I'm chasing these things. And the only answer is to get to the end of our wants, right? And with, whenever we do that, whenever we just fully just open hand, just get to the end and saying, I don't want anything else. I only want Jesus. Whenever we can do that, that's whenever God starts bringing us on this most amazing, wonderful journey that we would ever experience before in our life to take us on the greatest adventure of following him. All right. so Jonah continues. So here is Jonah's experience when he did that. Here is God's answer. So Jonah is describing how he's feeling. He's like, man, there's, um, the waters are crashing over me. There's weeds wrapped around my head. Like I, f- I feel like I'm in Sheol, and here is God's answer. Is that when we get to the end of our wants, when we've bottomed out, when we're experiencing death, here's how God responds. In verse 6, where he says, Yet you brought me up my life from the pit. Oh, Lord, my God. He's saying, you, God, you brought me out of the pit that I'm experiencing. Verse 7, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. See, I think for some of us, we, we look at our, what we're currently experiencing in our life circumstances, and we find ourselves bottomed out in this pit. And then, um, it's natural to think this way, so many of us do, is that we think that our life circumstances of being in the pit is an indicator for how God feels about us. And we think that whenever we're in this pit, it's because God doesn't like us anymore, or God is punishing us, or God wants to prove a lesson to us, and we have to like, earn, our, earn our way back. Right? And Jonah realizes that his, his circumstances have absolutely nothing to do with God's commitment towards him and his love toward him. Because it says here, right, in verse 6, where he says, You, God, you brought, me, you brought up my life from the pit. Oh, Lord, my God, you were the one that was committed to me. You were the one that rescued me. You were the one that saved me from this pit that I was in. Like, I feel so loved by you, even whenever I'm in the hardest situation in life that I've ever been in before. Because here's what Jonah says in verse 8, where he says, Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. So this is basically Jonah saying, saying. Um, this idol that he was chasing, he's calling it vain. So he was saying, hey, I was on this path chasing something. And I was chasing, I was on this path chasing a vain idol. See, and the only, um, and whenever I was chasing this thing that I wanted, when I was running away from you, God, when I was chasing this thing that I wanted, I gave up the only thing that I had going for me, which was your steadfast love. By going after this thing that we want, whenever we run away from God, we're giving up the only thing that's going to bring us life, which is God. And this is what Jonah's experiencing here, um, as he says in verse 8, and then he says here in verse 9, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. And I love this line here where it says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So why, how is it possible that Jonah could possibly be giving thanks when he's in a pit, right? You've experienced this. You've experienced feeling in a pit. You've experienced being a shield. You've experienced this like feeling just dead on the inside, not knowing what to do. The last thing that we want to do is give thanks because we don't want to be here in the first place. Why are we giving thanks for a situation that we don't want to be in in the first place? So why, why is Jonah giving thanks? Because Jonah being in the belly of the fish was the best thing that could have ever happened to him because it was God getting Jonah's attention. It was rescuing Jonah, saving him from himself. God saying, Jonah, this thing that you want, you don't really want. Trust me, bro. I know you. I created you. I loved you. You don't like this path that you're going down, going to Charshish. You're, you're not going to like it. So I'm going to rescue you. Why? I'm, I'm going to rescue you. So God, God, similar to Jonah, God uses our circumstances to get us to the end of what we really want. But you know, typically what we feel, though, when we're in the pit, when we're in Sheol, um, you know, whenever we, we just feel like we're just at the end of ourselves, when we feel like we have no other option, you know typically what we feel? Broken. We just feel incredibly broken. And we have no idea how to put the pieces back together. The relationship just ends and we don't know what to do. The family situation, um, just like the, the conflict with our parents, like the, just the messy stuff that includes like, um, perhaps like parents and their siblings and grandparents, it's just so out there, and we just feel so broken because of that, because we love our family, and things just don't seem to be getting better, and we just feel so broken because of that. The career options just close, and close, and close, and close, and close, and we just feel so broken. Um, just the, the stuff, the emotions that we're just processing on the inside, this, the sadness that we just feel constantly, the anger that we just feel constantly, and we don't want to feel that way. And we just feel so broken, and we don't know what to do. That's typically what we feel We have no more wants, but I love what uh, Kyle Eidemann says in his book, The End of Me, where he says this. It's on your screen here. The good news is that God makes the broken whole. He takes the overlooked, the undervalued, the left out, the written off, the damaged and destroyed, and he does what only he can do. God loves to make the broken beautiful. So when we get to the end of what we want— And we just feel incredibly broken. Here's the opportunity where we just give our broken pieces to God. And more specifically, um, God Himself came down from heaven. Why? To bring about this new kingdom, where to bring healing and restoration. And I thought for some of us, especially if we grew up in church, and we hear like the kingdom of God, and like it's really weird language, or Jesus came to save the world, right? And we think it a lot, we think it, um, we think it very corporately. But what I want to remind us here in this moment is not to think it about like Jesus came to save sinners. I want us to think about it as Jesus came to save you. Think about the brokenness that's in your life. Jesus came to put these pieces back together. But whenever we still are pursuing what we want, we're like holding this brokenness and we're not allowing Jesus to come in to heal us, to put us back together, right? Because we're holding onto it. It's like, I like my broken pieces, right? Like Jonah's taking his broken jar and just taking it to Tarshish, right? And God's like, "No, no, 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 Jonah, I love you. And God's telling us, Jesus is telling us, I love you, and I came down to put you back together, to heal you, and there is no other way that we can be healed. There is no other way that we can have any sort of beauty. There is no way there can be any healing. There's no way that there can be any sort of redemption from the garbage that we're experiencing right now outside of the healing power of Jesus. Which is why we say every week, what is the table? Some of you know this. We're a banquet for the broken. Why are we a banquet for the broken? Because we're reminding ourselves that here we are with our broken pieces. Here we are in the darkness. Here we are in this pit. Here we are experiencing death. And Jesus comes in and takes that and brings life. And that's why we call ourselves and beg for the broken, welcome to the table. So how do we respond? How do we respond? What do we do do with this? Well, I want to give us three things for how we can respond um, to this idea of getting to the end of our wants allowing Jesus to come in to bring healing uh, to our brokenness, right? To be able to redeem the life circumstances that we find ourselves in. So here's three things. Number one, number one, surrender your wants. Mm, I didn't like that. It's okay. Oh, no. No, Isaac, but I like my wants. Like, I know, I do too. (laughs) So what, surrender your So what do I mean by that? I mean, um, try to increase your awareness for what the things in life that you think that you want, right? And you know what you want. And you're like, I don't want anything. Like, that's not true, <laughs> right? Because any sort of kid, any sort of child, right, they dream of the life that they want. And eventually, um, you know, whenever you get to college, you start experiencing that life's a little bit different than what you thought it might be. Or especially when you get to, we talk often here about a quarter-life crisis, so perhaps if you're in your mid-20s, you get to this place where life um, um, is hard, and you start coming up closed door after closed door after closed door, and these things in life that you thought you wanted, your life and your current experience is not matching up to that, and you don't know how to process that, right? So we meet with so many, like 24, 25, and 26, you're all like, I just don't know what to do in life, and we're like, it's take a number, it's pretty common, pretty common around here. And for some of you, you're like, Isaac, brah. I was experiencing that when I was seven. Like, man, if you would have knew my family, if you would, like, I learned really early, I learned really early on in life, you don't get what you want. And with all the strength that I've had, I'm just trying to survive. And I've been in survival mode for the last 20 years. So whenever, how we respond, just surrender our wants and be aware of the wants that we have and the desires that we have and then take these wants that we have. And they're not bad, um, uh, we just need to surrender them and just offer them to Jesus, offer them to God and see what he wants to do with them in our life. It's not like we're never going to get the things that we aspire to. Um, I wanted to marry my wife, Lauren, and we got married, <laughs> right? Some things in life, and you have your own story as well, where things work out incredibly beautifully for you as well, right? But we need to surrender our wants to Jesus and see what he wants to do with them, to be aware of the things that we want. Number two, number two, Jonah um, uh, models this where he cries out to God. Whenever we're in situations, we're in a pit. Are we, are we calling out to God? Are we crying out to God, right? Are we like, God, I, I can't do this. God, I'm in a pit, Right? And for some of us, we do this incredibly well. We're very honest with God, and we're like, um, like David in the Psalms, whenever he's like, um, like, uh, almost like cursing at God, like we would make David blush for some of the conversations that we have with God. <laughs> uh, so where it's, you know, you're pretty honest, and I would say, hey, cry out to God. Because for some of us, what we do is whenever um, our life circumstance is not going really well, we start shutting ourselves off to God, and we stop crying out to God. And we're like, God stopped listening to me a long time ago. I've got to figure this thing out on my own. Like, I'm in this whale, okay, how do I get out? Maybe if I pull on the little thingy, he'll open his mouth, I don't know. So we we cry cry out to God, right? And number three, number three, give thanks in your current experience. Give thanks in your current experience. Man, I know for some of us in life, uh, we're actually doing pretty well right now. Like we just, the life situation that we're in, the family situation that we're in, like we just, where we just currently are in life, we've had a lot of really cool things going on. I know um, in the last few weeks, it's been really cool just me just getting to celebrate just so many people and so, so, such amazing things in life um, that are going on. But, but I know for, for a lot of us, it's not a lot of good going on right now. We're just, we're just holding on for dear life and we just don't know what to do. And I think what Jonah models here is that we can just give thanks in our current experience because we know that it's in the pit, it's bottoming out, it's when we get to the end of our wants, it's when God has our fullest attention if we allow him to. When things are going really well, we're just kind of going, 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 oh yeah, thank you God, peace, two fingers, let's go, I'm doing this thing. But whenever we just don't know where to go or don't know what to do, that's whenever really God's like, okay, you're looking at me now? I love you. I want to rescue you, so we can give thanks to God in our current experience. Because it's in those moments when we're at the very bottom, as we can um, we can fully hear what God is trying to tell us and what what we can learn. So for me. Some of the best messages were the ones that I just needed to hear. <laughs> so I just, I needed to hear this message. I needed a research this message. I needed this message for me. So some of you know, I just became a dad about six weeks ago. Um, and a beautiful baby girl, her name's Vera. Um, she was actually here last night and like such a pastor's kid where she's just there in the back. We like need probably to get her earphones like with the music. Um, but, but she's an infant. She's six weeks old. And you, I'm sure you know this. If you've ever been around like very, very, very small children, they don't sleep a lot. So this like day after day after day after day of like little sleep as well as, you know, I'm trying to like love Lauren well, I'm trying to love Vera well, and I'm trying to, I love the table and I love everything we get to do around here. And I just, I just feel like, man, just, I just feel a little bit of the weight of responsibility and I love you guys and I want to meet with you guys and I meet one on one with you guys and I want to hear how you're doing. And I just feel um, just the weight of like, hey man, I want to encourage you and inspire you to love Jesus, to follow Jesus. And I want all of us to do that together, right? So I'm, but I just feel like, man, I just feel like uh, this, this kind of weight right now. I'm and I'm tired. I'm so tired, and I'm holding beer. It's like it's a midnight last night. She like won't well, go to sleep, and she's really fussy. And I'm like, man, can she just go to sleep? I have the table tomorrow. Like, I just want to feel, I just want to be as helpful as I can. And I'm holding her. And I'm like, it's like one of those moments to where, like, with me and Lauren, it's like, okay, who is more tired? I think, Lauren, I think you're, like, are you more tired than me or am I more tired than you? Because the least tired person, that's who does the feeding. (laughs) That's kind of where we are in our state. So so I was like, okay, Lauren, I think, okay, let me Good, I think I can get her now and then I'll sleep for a little bit and I should be good to go. So I'm just holding her. And I just remember just feeling, I think my thought last night was, I have no strength right now. Like I just don't, I don't have a lot of energy right now. I don't have a lot of strength right now. I just, this thing that I wanted where like I would just be able to navigate the season of being a new parent, right? And being a pastor and just being, just loving my friends well and loving my church family well. Like I'm just not navigating the season like I thought I would. And it's hard. And here I am, like, I mean, I just want to have the strength to feel like I always have things together. And And I don't. And this message is helpful because it reminds me that I never have it all together <laughs> and whenever I think I do I'm lying to myself so last night was such a cool reminder where I'm just holding Vera and I'm just thinking God I just need your strength I have no strength of my own I don't I have God is only by your strength getting to the end of what I want and getting to the end of myself being able to be fully reliant on God and I'm so grateful for even the moments where I'm feeling overwhelmed, where I'm feeling feels, where I'm just feeling a bit like, oh, I just don't know how life, live because I just hear God just with so much compassion, with, with such tenderness, telling me, Isaac, like, I love you. And I'm going to give you the strength that you need. And that's my hope for all of us, that I'm not some kind of special person on an island. My hope is that wherever you're experiencing, you just hear the voice of God. Just whisper your name. And say, I love you. I see your brokenness. I see that you didn't get what you wanted. I see the situation that you are in. I see the current experience that you're in. I see that. And surrender and trust me, and I will give you everything that you need. See, and my hope is that for those of us that have been so self-reliant for such a long time and not really knowing what to do, I think that whenever we fully embrace and fully learn how to surrender to God, man, I think that a movement starts in Orlando we just become a city that surrenders to God, toward where the entire city of Orlando just holding open posture saying, God, we surrender to you. We surrender to your will for our lives in the city, how we can bring healing to everyone around us, to our neighbors, to our friends, to your coworkers. And it starts with us, open-handed, surrendering to God, crying out to God and giving thanks in our current experience we're going to sing the song called I Surrender, which I just think is just a perfect song to sing. Um, so I'm going to pray. But before I pray, um, I want to read the very last verse, which is verse 10. And the Lord spoke to the fish and then vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for you. God, just thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your compassion for me. I thank you you for your compassion for all of our table family, God. And I love, God, that we just get to be a picket for the broken. In in days, God, whenever I just feel broken, Um, I love that nobody here needs to feel like they have it all together. Nobody here needs to feel like they need to perform, that they need to be perfect. God, that you hold all of us with so much grace and so much compassion. God, you want to rescue us and bring us to the end of ourselves that you can bring us new life, and surrendering to you, and crying out to you, and giving thanks to you exactly where we are. God, I want that for me, and I want that for all of my friends here at the table tonight. We love you in just a in Amen.